Welcome to Track and Talk. Hello! The holiday season here at the oh. official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Oh, it sounds like you're wearing a smoking jacket, sipping a hot toddy, and sitting in front of a roaring fire. With a owl bear carpet in front of me. No, faux, faux, though, right? Faux owl bear carpet in yeah. front of me. Also, I'm not wearing any. I'm wearing. I'm wearing. Whoa. chaps. I'm wearing chaps. Is what I'm trying to say. That's. But they, get they have chilly. asses. They're <laughs> ass, ass <Yours>. chaps. <laughs> I mean, are they ever really assless? Because <laughs> when you're wearing them, they're not. There's. Because you got there. an ass. Because you're got in an there. Ass. It's true. Yes. Well, you know what? This is just a great introduction to. Dragon Talk. <laughs> right, because I am Greg Tito, and this is Shelley Moo, and we are a Potty Award-winning podcast, which comes up quite a bit in our interview with Ben Looms. Yes. We get to talk to the uh, creator and uh, leader of Sirenscape. Once again, always a great interview from Down Under. Yep. And uh, he's got wonderful, great stuff to talk about that uh, Sirenscape and all the new stuff that's been coming out for it. He is a sound savant it's true i'm just going to say that that's a hot take but he is really a genius and the stuff that that he does and um just the way his mind works and the beautiful sounds that you can now incorporate into your games including the wild beyond the witch light right it's true you'll learn all about that when we get to that interview we start off by giving you a, a quick brief fun thing about what's going on with sirenscape sirenscape um, and we also just want to acknowledge that Strixhaven, a curriculum of chaos, is out everywhere yes. now. Enrollment is open. You <laughs> should be at your orientation and you should be sipping on coffee, endless coffees from the magic item. Yeah. Um, in your student union on the Strixhaven campus right now. Studying for your exams. In fact, there might even be such a thing uh in the center of the Strixhaven campus called the Biblioplex. Oh, how would I know more about that? Well, perhaps I should get Amanda Hamon on to discuss all of that in a Lord You Should Know segment. Right now. Do it. All right. Welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tito, and today I'm joined by Amanda Hamon. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Greg. Great to be on. Great to talk to you. I don't know. I went into Kermit the Frog there for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Amanda Hamon. Can I flail? Yeah, Yeah. let's flail. (laughs) We'll do some Muppet flailing uh, going on here. Uh, So this is not the the, the Muppet hour. Uh, This is the segment where we talk about uh, fun parts of D&D lore that you can use in your game uh, directly or just because it's really fun to know. And today we're going to talk about a topic in Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos, which comes out on December 7th. Uh, Tons of great stuff in there. But I wanted to focus today's segment on the Biblioplex, which is the central library tour uh, for the campus of Strixhaven. Uh, So Amanda, tell us a little bit about what goes on at the Biblioplex? Absolutely. So Biblioplex, as you alluded to, Greg, is one of the central locations on campus. It's not only the primary repository for books uh, that are interdisciplinary and apply to students at all five of the colleges, but it also holds uh, the records of the university's past. It holds general interest tomes, 
Um, there are gathering spaces at the Biblioplex. There are lecture halls within the Biblioplex for interdisciplinary classes that are held. There's a cafe, there's a little student store, there's a number of study areas. Um, and then there's an entire second floor that is all uh, upperclassmen, uh, books with knowledge that upperclassmen can access. And so, uh, you know, it is a focal point, both socially and academically, of the campus uh, and is a, a gathering place um, and, you know, just a, a place for interactions between, you know, people who are associated with, with all of the, the campuses and, and all of the different, um, you know, things that are being studied there. That's where they can, can meet and interact and mingle. And uh, there's a lot of fun things that happen in the adventure that are kicked off at the Biblioplex. And it's a place you come back to over and over and over again. So it is very important to this book. That reminds me of, of, of college life, right? Like that the, the library yeah. was always a focal point for when you need to do research or just get away or find a quiet place to study. Like all of those things uh, is, is so integral to uh, kind of a you know, uh, university life here. Um, yeah. And so I love that it is, it is brought forth. Also, there's all these weird urban legends that happen with libraries and what goes on there. And so do you tap into any of that type of storytelling and, and, and legends of what happens in the Biblioplex stays in the Biblioplex? There's a, there's a little bit of that. Um, there are stories that are told specifically about that second floor of the Biblioplex mm. that is only accessible by upperclassmen for specific purposes. If you're going to access those areas of the library because of the knowledge held within, um, in some cases, you know, might be kind of dangerous, you actually have to get permission from the oracles, which are the librarians of the setting. Mm. Uh, you've got to submit what is your research topic for what class, what is it that you, you know, want to, um, to, to look at, what, se what selection of books do you want to look at, and then they approve your presence in there. Um, and it's enforced uh, by, you know, various uh, not guards, right? But uh, folks who are paying attention to library to who is studying where um, and, and what it is that they're that they're doing. So there's urban legends about who is and isn't allowed in there, and somebody who's gone in there and uh, has never come back out and just lives there in the stacks and keeps moving when they realize that students are about to come there. And uh, there's a there's a magical dragon actually at the middle. Uh, it really is there uh, and can read out the the text that, you know that are given uh, to to it. Oh, wow. Um, using magic, right? Um, but, you know, also legends about other things that that dragon will or won't do if you ask certain things of it, which, you know, we're not going to spoil whether that's true or not. <laughs> wow. All right. That I So many great story uh, things there. And that's what I love about the Bibioplex is I played the Magic the Gathering set where Strixhaven is based. And I had a few decks that had the Biblioplex card uh, as a land card, I believe, that you, you could use. Yeah. Uh, and it was super useful. But I there wasn't there was some flavor text on there. Uh, but there isn't, there wasn't a lot of storytelling that goes on there. Um, but I'm so excited that you were able to use some of that as inspiration. We were, yeah. So, um, like you said, there is that iconic card with the the, um, the landscape of what the biblioplex, biblioplex looks like from the outside. Uh, and there's also a lot of concept art that was in the world guide that we used to, to help put together these adventures and make sure that they felt like they were Strixhaven and not just some kind of knockoff version of Strixhaven, right? So, uh, you know, it was, it was very important to look at the structure, the architecture of the building, um, and that the map that we that we built for D&D, because there's a full map of all floors of the biblioplex including some of the special collections mm -hmm. uh, you know that are off to the side um, and I actually sort of drew out the shape of that and gave that to Sydney Adams who then fleshed out the inside of the building um, with what rooms were where and you know how it was organized and you know uh, to, to talk a little bit about um, what special things were in there but that, that was very important to make sure that if you played the game if you've seen that card if you've seen that art 
you know, in the promo materials, you would immediately look at that map and go, oh yeah, that's the biblioplex. And now we get to see what's inside. And that's what I really hoped would be exciting to folks. They really get a feeling that this place is real and here's what's here. I love that. I love taking something from one uh, medium and then it's got the details that are needed for that medium and then yep. taking it to another like Dungeons and Dragons. You're like, all right, well, we need floor plans. If we're going to be having adventures and things occur <laughs> in locations within the biblioplex, we're going to need to know, all right, this is this far away from there as well as how do you get from one floor to the other? Uh, so right. yeah, is there, are there lots of stairwells? Like how, how do you get from place to place? So that is a really interesting thing, uh, including, so in addition to several other campus buildings, um, the biblioplex is fully accessible. Um, there are transport circles that will uh, boop you, uh, a word that I know you love, from <laughs> I do you love know, place to place. Yeah, it'll boop you from the bottom of the stairwell up to, uh, you know, the second floor um, or, you know, does down to one use, of the uh, collections. teleportation magic? Or, or yes, how, it how does, does it use teleportation magic. Oh, that's yes, so cool. specifically keyed to the next floor that matches that staircase so that you always know where you're going. You're not going to end up some random place. <laughs> of course, a magical university would have a, library yeah. that has magical transportation yeah, to get absolutely. from floor to floor. And there's other options as well. You know, um, if it makes more sense, the the stairs will kind of flatten themselves out into a ramp. If your, you know, character is using a wheelchair, you can get from place to place oh, wow. easily um, in that way. And so, you know, we really wanted to make this uh, something that, you know, all barriers were, were gone because like you said, you know, it's magical. It's a magical school. And why would we not want to do that? Exactly right, and I love that you can you know the stairs themselves can detect whether or not a a, a wheel would be uh, yeah used to get from place to place. Again, magic can do anything. Uh, that's magic so good. for good. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so uh, I had a question when you were talking about you know how behavior is in the biblioplex do you have to stay quiet is is there like a shh, you know pe people are studying here it depends on the place of the biblioplex so it's a big place right and there are student stacks on the first floor that are those interdisciplinary uh you know um entry level type of knowledge that's open it's open to the public in fact anybody can go in there you don't even have to be a student and check those out um and there then there's some tables that are around that area for studying the books that are held there that is a more quiet zone area and there's an oracle there who will shush people who might be, you know, getting a little rambunctious or rowdy as, as students do. And actually, there's a thing in the adventure that happens where people get a little rowdy. But the oracles allow it because it's entertaining and it's a sing-off. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. It's a yeah. cappella group competition. It, uh, yeah, one hundred percent. It's a rival team huh. of uh, mage tower players who are like, we're going to beat you here and now. We're going to show you we're the best, and then we're going to beat you on the field. <laughs> so, it's, a, it's very much they... a pitch perfect type of thing. Is there is there a Benfolds like character in uh, in Strixhaven who's the uh, you know the person who takes the pop music and makes it into acapella? Uh, oh wow, there's a couple of characters, a couple of NPCs who are really into music. There's uh, one character who plays the hurdy gurdy, so I oh. suppose if she's your best friend, she could lay down you know some sick hurdy gurdy beats. <laughs> <laughs> that would be I, fun. <laughs> I don't think anybody has combined those words together. Sick, hurdy, gurdy beats. You heard it here on Dragon Talk. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so the, you mentioned that there, you know there's some research that might need to happen uh, here for the adventure. Like what 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 do people like? What, what's going to be a reason for uh, player characters to want to go to the biblioplex? That's a great question. So uh, in one of the adventures, a little bit later on, there's a, um, a collection called the Scriptoria Collections. And this is something that's 
uh, it's it's in the biblioplex, but it's set aside and, you know, there's a, a corridor that leads to it. And it's kind of the main um, area that you're going to if you're going in that direction. Um, and I don't I don't think that that one's that one's not restricted for reasons in the adventure that become clear. But generally, um, you know, the, it's frowned upon, you know, it's not a, a sort of a public access place. So mm-hmm. in the scriptory collections that is sponsored by, uh, you know, a, a long ago professor at the university who then um, became uh, a dean at the university. And it was, a, it started out as his private collection um, of specific, uh, his specific re- research. Uh, into uh, sort of like uh, alternative magic and the uses of alternative magic and the the blending of of different magic. And it was all of his information about that. And then it later became uh, like his papers. Once he, uh, you know, was no longer around his estate, donated all of his papers and his journals, which included a lot of history uh, of the university itself because he had worked there his entire career. Uh, He had a very long life and he had a lot of, you know, interesting things to note down. And there's Something that happened when he was the dean of the university that the, the player characters need to learn more about. They realize that, you know, he, this is going to be the best place to learn about this because he's probably the only person who ever really wrote about it. And they have to go to the scriptoria collections and they've got to figure out uh, where this is and, you know, look for mentions of him. And, you know, there's other things that they can uh, discover in there as well. But it's very much kind of like a, a gentleman's private study that's then been turned into a library room. And it's a fun place to explore during the adventure. And there's a, there's some plot stuff that goes on too. How do you find stuff in the bubble? Is there like a Dewey Decimal system? Is it, <laughs> do, you, do you have to search on, you know, the equivalent of a, of a computer database to, to find things? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it is, you know, again, like uh, magic being a wondrous thing. The oracles of the library, the librarians have got knowledge of mostly where everything is. Um, if you go there and, you know, for example, the students say we need to find out information about this. They'd say, oh, that's in the scriptoria collections. Here's access to the scriptoria collections. Go check that out. Um, same thing with anything on the first floor. Go check that out. Um, same thing as long as you have permission on the second floor. But there's a, there's sometimes things where they, they say, oh, well, we know we've got collections that touch on this subject, but we're not really sure how much. We're not 100% sure uh, where, and they can give you a general direction. And that's when, uh, you know, if it's a little bit more esoteric, you as player characters are going to have to go in a general direction library, and you're going to have to do a little bit of, of hunting and looking down and being creative to find out where that stuff is. So there's a little bit of a, uh, a skill challenge involved there when you're looking for very hyper-specific esoteric stuff. Just like when you're going to a real library, it can yeah, sometimes be very I mean, easy and sometimes be very difficult to find. Absolutely. You like you might have the name of the author and it turns out that author has written four different books. So you're going to have to get all four <laughs> books and open them up and look at the table of contents. And, but they yeah. also have a pen name that they used for the one book that <laughs> yeah. you're trying to find. Yeah, exactly. 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 Are, so, the, or, are the oracles people or are they automata? They are people. They are okay. individuals. Um, and there are some uh, oracles who also will double as professors as well. Oh. Um, and there are some staff members who double as professors. And so there's a couple of very interesting personalities that you encounter who are interdisciplinary professors or they are professors who also have a turn as an oracle. And, you know, they have access to certain things and certain types of information that can be very useful to you if they're uh, on your side or if you're mm-hmm. taking a class from them and, you know, you do really well in your exams. <laughs> Again, this feels just like college. Um, so speaking of which, are there any, because uh, I know a lot of the colleges, like uh, Lorehold and, and like Quandrix come to mind, where like they have specific knowledge around lore or mathematics. Mm-hmm. Do they have their own libraries on their campuses? They do. Yeah, they okay. do. 
Um, they also have their own academic buildings in which classes that are specifically for programs of study in their college. Um, and you also, you know, in the adventures, you'll go to several of those buildings on um, Witherbloom's campus and specific Lorehold's campus is really important in the third adventure. Uh, there's a Rose Stage on Silver Quill's campus that's really prominent um, mm-hmm. in one part of the first adventure. So you'll, you'll go to places where, uh, for whatever reason, you are called there, you're brought there, you're in that vicinity. And you'll experience what it's like to really be steeped in that flavor and that lure of that specific college with that specific type of magic. And they do have their own libraries as well. So, you know, if you are, if you're on a a certain mascot hunting task, right, you want to learn a little bit more about the the actual fens where this um, building and and its grounds are located. So you have a better chance at tracking down the mascots. You could go to the library on Witherbloom's campus and learn more about the background of this place and, you know, where have the creatures been caught in the past and what's the best way to catch the creatures. That's information that would be on that campus. But do the so here's the final thing about <laughs> process about libraries on this <laughs> made up campus. Uh, but would the biblioplex be able to provide references? Like, okay, we don't have that information here, but m- me as Oracle, I know that the Lorehold campus does. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Library. And I think that, like, really, that uh, is a powerful tool for the DM, yeah. where, if, you know, if it's not listed specifically within the biblioplex's write up that this is, you know, found in the library, or the DM really wants to push them onto that campus because he knows or she knows that there's something that happens happens on the building on that campus they can be like oh yeah absolutely that thing you're looking for that's over on silver quill's campus and then as the party's on their way to the silver quill library they pass the rose stage and they see the improv festival happening and then there's that event that happens that would be a really fun kind of creative organic way for the adventures to unfold i love that right good tool for the dm for that um so you uh, you mentioned that there's there's a lot of meeting places and things like that, and it sounds like the biblioplex also kind of doubles as a student union, and so there might be it does is there uh, like organizations and stuff that meet there? Yes, absolutely. I'm glad you asked me that question because I wanted to sort of talk about how. Uh, the biblioplex is kind of a, a core um, place for student life, the way it is on many, you know, real world university campuses. There's actually an orientation event at the very beginning of the first adventure hmm. in which they're representatives of each of the extracurricular activities that you can join. Uh, they are in the biblioplex somewhere. There's a room that's set aside where there's little tables with pamphlets so that you can read about it. And that would allow the DM to, you know, organically again, say like, oh yes. And then you see, you know, recruiting signs for all of these different groups and to put the extracurricular list in front of the players so they can see. But there's also those NPCs associated with each extracurricular group are peppered throughout the entire biblioplex in places that make sense for things that they're doing. Like, for example, there's a LARPing guild and they are preparing for a game to take place uh, on the lawn of the biblioplex called Beholders versus Behears. And uh, one of the characters who's really into LARPing is a gnome named Rosie. And Rosie is there and she can talk up the LARPing guild and tell you all about it and be excited about it. And that's a way for, you know, a player and a character to learn about that guild and get excited and then like maybe join them extracurricular. Right, yeah, which is, is totally possible with the rule set in uh, the Strict Haven rulebook, right? You can join some of these groups and yes, model them off. Yeah, I love that there's <laughs> I love that there's a role playing group uh, that just feels so meta and amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a number of things that uh, 
I had listed in the margins of my notes that were like, if I have room, these are things I would like to include. One of those was rules for beholders versus behaviors. So you could actually play it. And unfortunately, oh I didn't have the space. So it's not in there. <laughs> you, you can't put the player's handbook inside this book? <laughs> I know, I know, right? You know, there are some rules for other games in the book as well. There's a bunch of little mini games for the social events. Mage Tower has a full suite of rules for playing it at the table. And there's an important Mage Tower game that happens in the adventure that you take part in. So, you know, it's a thing. <laughs> I love that the uh, this Biblioplex kind of has like as a metaphor for all of the college life kind of things that is uh, really at the core of what this book is all about. So that's really yeah. cool. Um, so what was it like taking all these inspirations and turning it into like a physical location like this? Like, can you talk a little bit about that process? And then also following that, how a dungeon master can, can use some of their own memories uh, from, from college life and kind of infuse it into, into this, uh, into the setting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you just hit right on it, Greg. It was about kind of reaching back into those memories and thinking about, you know, uh, what, what is it like? What is a, a focal point? What is a meeting point at the university really like? And to have all, you know, these disparate perspectives, you know, and elements brought together in one physical place. What does it look like when there's fantasy versions of all of those things that exist and then they're brought into one place like the biblioplex? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we we took mentions uh, of things from the world guide and things that were mentioned, you know, in the card set and made sure that that those were represented and that they had those elements as well. Like, I believe there are book gardens that are mentioned, and I'm not sure if that's just in the world guide or if that's also mentioned in the magic set. Um, but that was book, a really good book example. guardians. Book gardens, yeah, like oh. actual physical gardens. Uh, oh, gardens! I thought you said guardians. No, no gardens. <laughs> Although that would be pretty cool. Like now, I was know? thinking of yeah, those are those the, the guards you were talking about. Giant yeah, but gar- so big, like halberds, <laughs> smacking people. <laughs> places to sit and read. Uh, yeah, in, places in, to sit and read and kind of study. And I was like, that's a that's a great thing to include. You know, a, a green space, a relaxing space. It's also a great thing to include when our you know our fictional world. Uh, includes Witherbloom, you know, the campus that's all about natural growth uh, and decay. And wouldn't it make sense that the Fantastical Horticulture Society, which is one of the extracurriculars, that they would be represented Mm. there by students who are just fascinated with nature and who are cultivating some of the plants and they're the caretakers of the space. Um, You know, and there's where you can meet somebody who's going to probably be a member of that club and talk about what it's like and the activities that you do as part of that club. So it was taking all of those little threads um, with a very heavy influence of personal experience and putting it into this magical version of a real thing. Here's a a potential last question here, um, because I'm thinking about like we keep saying like all of your memories, meaning the players' memories of going to college, but let's be honest, not everybody who plays Dungeons and Dragons has gone to college uh, and might have some of those memories. So how can they, you know, take some of what's in this book around the Biblioplex and, uh, you know, kind of use it to augment memories they may not even have? Yeah, no, of course. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, that's a very good question. And I think really the answer is that you don't, you don't need to have gone to college at all because student life and the young adult experience and the high school and the college experience is very well documented within media all over the place, right? The coming of age story at a high school or university, there's a million different films that cover it. There's a million different plays. There's a million different books and it's all 
all about, you know, that adolescence kind of coming into your own, uh, your, your own adulthood and your own personhood. Right. And so, you know, everybody's got memories of going from an adolescent to an adult and everybody, most people have probably seen at least a couple of those movies or read a couple of those books. So I think, you know, it's really just kind of cherry picking. What do you like best about that media? What really speaks to you? What would be fun for you to, you know, have to watch your players play out if you're the DM or what would be fun for you to, to play through as a character um, and really kind of leaning into to that fantasy, right? Because those films are, you know, they're all fantasy. Everything is kind of just somebody's version of it. Mm. Um, and being able to make your own version of it is what I think is really powerful about this adventure and should be really fun, I hope, for folks. That's a really, really good point. It makes me want to now start a uh, magical ska band uh, that plays in the quad out front of the biblioplex. Yeah. <laughs> Like, <laughs> and there are indeed there are bands there's actually a place outside the Bozon tavern where people perform students perform and faculty members perform uh aurora uh luna winterstar one of our mbcs uh who plays the hurdy-gurdy she performs always by herself uh mm. always solitary um uh and she you know she's so known for, for being there and hanging yeah. out there yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Lots of great storytelling I'm already thinking of uh, there. Uh, so great. I, I love learning about the Biblioplex and, and how it's this focal point for both the campus, but also for uh, campus life, uh, as you said. And uh, yeah, I, I want to be that person who never leaves. <laughs> you mentioned yeah. earlier on I think that that would be that would be me in addition to this I hope so I hope that's what people I hope that's what people are excited about right it's just that that opportunity to you know see some of these like really well-known coming of age tropes and archetypes of different characters um, brought to life in a very D&D way I think you know we were able to accomplish that in a really a really interesting really fun in some ways kind of unexpected way. Um, you know, our, yeah. our NPCs uh, who are written by a writer named T. Alexander Stangroom did a wonderful job of taking those archetypes of, you know, the cheerleader uh, and and the jock uh, and, you know, uh, the big burly guy at the bar um, and, uh, you know, the, the athlete and everything and making them very D&D, you know, the cheerleader is a fire genasi and everyone loves him and he's wonderful. <laughs> and the jock is a little dwarf girl. <laughs> And all those an iron uh, lifter. <laughs> all those characters have to work on a group project together at the biblioplex and deal with all their different personalities. Yeah, you know, and they they've got, got to work together and go to school together and you know take part in clubs together and that's where these rivalries and friendships, you know, that the, that we actually have rules for in the book. That's how they you know, really the seeds of them, that's how they really come to life is that proximity, right? The, the way that everybody's kind of in that fishbowl at a university and, you know, you can't get away from that person who drives you crazy. Because <laughs> they're you, your roommate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, you so know, we, fun. We provide a lot of really fun tools for those types of um, experiences if folks want to use them. <laughs> All right. So if people want to uh, ask you any questions about the Biblioplex or what campus like is, life is like on Strixhaven, how can they get in touch with you? They can find me uh, spouting all kinds of nonsense on Twitter. I am at Amanda Hanna. That's H-A-M-O-N. And um, yep, posting all, all kinds of stuff out there. They have been warned. <laughs> but that's where I am. Awesome. Thanks, Amanda. I can't wait uh, for this to be in players' hands and hear all their fun stories about college life. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm already seeing previews going up and people are running early streams and I'm just like, 
<laughs> Booping the boops. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do a marathon. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love that the Biblioplex doubles as an area for all of the social role playing. Well, not all, but much, a lot of the social role playing that can happen while you're running through the adventures in Strixhaven, a curriculum of chaos, or you can just borrow all of those and the NPCs whole cloth and put it into your game uh, for your homebrew setting because every every homebrew setting should have a magical academy that wizards go to. I absolutely agree. I'm going back to school myself. I'm going to get a PhD. A PhD in D&D? PhD in D. <laughs> I think we just came up with a name for a, uh, for a web series where Shelly is going to school us all. Oh, yeah. In dungeon mastering. Oh. Uh, but speaking of genius, let's now talk to Ben Looms, the genius of sound. Yes. I, I just I just made that up. Is that a real title? Let's, it is now. It I is love now. it. Everyone, let's welcome back Ben Looms to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! Hello. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> That's the air horn. See, I can do sounds too. You should. You should. <laughs> Oh, it's really <laughs> lovely to be back here and sad not to be over with you all in the US um, like I have so many times before, which has been lovely, but great to be able to connect anyway. So thank you yeah. for having me back. Very Thanks excited. for being here. Uh, for folks who don't know, you are the creator, composer, business owner of Sirenscape, uh, mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite D&D tools for uh, adding Aww. soundtrack uh, to your D&D your games. Yeah, awesome. That, that's right. Um, do you want me to tell you what Sirenscape is in case some people haven't known? Yeah. Or why yeah. not? Awesome. I mean, yes. It's been a while since you've been yes. on. So like, yeah. I mean, we've got all new listeners now. Every single yeah. person Hello. wants to know. Uh, all new listeners. Everybody really, they just listen once and never again. That's right. So oh. just kidding. Just kidding. Oh. Um, yeah. So in case you haven't, in case you haven't heard what Sirenscape is, um, Sirenscape is, yeah, sweet now of apps that makes beautiful immersive sound design and music for Dungeons and Dragons. And it's really the whole point of Sirenscape was me struggling with getting the right sound at the right time. So it really helps to keep the Dungeon Master's attention on the game and on the story they're telling. And for me, as well with my players, really, really helps to keep the attention of the players on the game, keeps everyone in the moment cues those emotional discomforts, those 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 bugs in the distance, those terrifying roars, that that dramatic movie-like soundtrack, and uh, it gets them to uh, really immerse themselves in the story that you're telling together. It's like some of those kind of, you know, playing YouTube ambience, but just about everything that's a pain with those gone away. So mm. it doesn't suddenly reach a climax at just the wrong time. It's uh, if you want to add the rain in, you can just click and add in rain. It's never it's never the same. It doesn't repeat itself every kind of loop of time it goes around because every element in the sound design in Sirenscape is dynamically being created on the spot. Even the the distance that the dog wolves appear the thirteenth time is completely different, and the direction and even the acoustic of the environment is being dynamically applied. So if you want your dog wolves to sound like they're in a cave because you're all in a cave, they'll sound like they're in a cave. Um, <laughs> Yeah, oh, I really, just, I really, I really just made it for me uh, and some other people liked it too, which was kind of cool. That is well, cool. I mean, I remember when uh, you know playing in the the aughts, I had a dungeon master who would use 
like a, a mixtape essentially, right? Like yes. a, burn, a burn CD yes. with like 10 tracks yeah. on it. Me too. And it was like battle music, right? It was really mm-hmm. only like when we were doing combat and it kind of kept us going. But yep. as you said, it was imperfect, right? It was very much like, here's just the soundtrack. You know, sometimes it had pop things in there that didn't gel with like the moments yeah. that were happening uh, around mm-hmm. the table. But that's about as, as, as high tech as we got with it. Yeah. Uh, and then when I experienced, you know, Sirenscape, it was like, oh my gosh, this is the next level for Dungeon Masters because just with you know, like a, a click of a button or if you're using a tablet, just a touch of the screen can change the scene. And mm-hmm. it, it has this effect where everybody's like, oh, okay, yeah, we're in the forest now. Like yeah. and almost, it's a great way also just to be like to go from mm. the the intro part of the game where you get to know you, how are things, blah blah blah. Okay, now we're actually playing, you yeah. know, with the soundtrack on. It's it's just such a great indicator, and it just every single time I've used it, it just elevates. Uh, Absolutely, the and it saves so many fun. words as well. You know, like as a yeah. dungeon master, you're you're talking all the time trying to describe. If you just, if you stick on the sound of that dank forest, and there's in biting insects sort of buzzing close to people's ear and then going away and then some kind of quite disturbing large thing in the distance which you can't really hear quite what it is, it saves a whole lot of time having to come up with all that description and keep yourself fresh and motivated. And, of course, that means the words you do say as a dungeon master are all the more enhanced and amplified and focused on. That was just super cool. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, it really made a huge difference in my own game when I first started trying to dynamically arrange the sounds with the dodgy little computer program that I wrote for myself about eleven years ago. Uh, <laughs> after after having used yeah like mixtapes and and CD soundtracks of movies and things, and it just made such a huge difference, uh, which is yeah really fun. That's very cool. Before you got on here, we were talking with. Uh, our own sound engineer Ryan Marth, who is also a uh, he co- a composer, and mm-hmm. about a a new project that he was working on, and I was just asking Ooh. a million questions. I'm like, how do you get the music just right? Because yeah. it's like, but sound is so important mm-hmm. in that in like what it can do to for your emotions, and it's like subtle, right. and it's in the background, and like all of a sudden you're like. I feel so like I'm empowered right. and I'm gonna like climb a mountain and I'm gonna yeah. rescue every dog in the world and I'm just gonna do great things. And like mm-hmm. why? Because of mm-hmm. the music, because you were watching this commercial or something, and it's just really Absolutely. gets to you in this in like a, a almost a subliminal way. And I yeah. and using Sirenscape in your games can do can do that as well. You know, like if yeah. if there's the constant sound of like rain pelting in the background like that is going to change like how my character mm. is feeling mm. or doing and the things that I'm going to interact I'm we're not going to talk as long to this NPC I want to get out of here I want to get That's some right. shelter like I don't know if, <laughs> yeah um probably not the best time to cast that fireball um yeah. is it going to be extinguished by this downpour that's yeah. <laughs> that's happening but it's you know it's, it's just it is it's beyond Absolutely. and your your library is huge huge yeah hundreds and hundreds like almost more than a thousand sound sets or something now oh um, my god so many um so many different locations there's a reason pathetic fallacy is is used in movies right so the reason they'll set a, a grief filled scene with the pelting rain because it has a real effect on us and makes us the darkness and the kind of the dankness and the sense of uh, contraction of the human experience as people just focus in on their own mind as the rest of the world is kind of deleted uh, is, is really, really significant. And you can achieve that just by turning the sound on. And and you, it's interesting you mentioned movie sort of soundtracks and, and sort of emotional drive. That's what's... It's actually very, very specific, the type of music that's in movies. Mm-hmm. It's not like a pop song with a really, really strong foreground and words 
that you're going to be humming and and a lick that's going to catch your ear. You actually, as you said, it needs to be subliminal. Those those emotional cues need to happen um, without you even realizing it. No, no one says, "Oh no, I think the good guy's in trouble because the trombone's just played a tritone." <laughs> like, like, oh, I hear a violin. Time to right. cry. Oh, I must playing, feel sad. That's right. They're playing close to each other and <laughs> gradually glissandering up. This couldn't, can't be good. So, in fact, you want to specifically avoid that. Um, and yet at the same time use all that power. And then it's Sirenscapes and, and tabletop role-playing is like a movie, except you have no idea when the action's going to shift. That's the right. really, really big issue. So if you think, if you imagine Lord of the Rings soundtrack, they're leaving Rivendell and it's, the music's welling and we feel like we're on a mission and we feel the fellowship has formed and we're all together and everything and it's growing and we're journeying. And then at a specific moment, like literally to the second in the movie, they crest over that mountain. It goes, da, 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 da. And, you know, you could, you could use the Lord of the Rings soundtrack, except it's going to do that every time after like literally two and a half minutes while you're still just still pretty much getting on the horse in your story and someone's going, oh, I want the other horse. Well, you said, hang on, didn't we divide the horses even? <laughs> Suddenly the, that epic moment arrives. Um, so you kind of need that a bit more control in a tabletop role-playing game um, because you can't control your players, that's for sure. Well, and I like that explanation because it's a little bit of control, right? It's not like hmm. you need to you know, have all of the strings of the orchestra ready to mm. go. Like, okay, now play this, guys. Mm. Like, you give, with this tool, you just give it with the uh, touch of a button. I mean, it takes some mm. prep. Like, you need to know... Yeah. The tool and and what you're you're ready to to go with, but if you have five to ten cues or five to ten uh, yep. soundscapes ready to go, you That's can right. pretty much do it, uh, and it's really great. Um, mm. What I also like, I mean, and something we should highlight is your work specifically with taking the adventures that Dungeons and Dragons publishes and That's creating right. moments and soundscapes for like each location. Yeah, in that's these right. Things. And each and I, moment. Yeah. Yeah, specific. That's right. So that there's that there's that prep thing. You know, you need to have your maps ready. You need to have your monster stats ready. You need to have a basic idea of where you probably intend the players to go in a, in a freeform game. But if you're playing a a book, you know, you do know those moments you're going to be hitting, um, even though they might end up somewhat different or adjusted to your campaign. And so yeah, we've we've wonderful to have the license with D&D to prepare the official sounds for all the big um, important Dungeons and Dragons adventures so that you can pretty much just click through the, the heading title um, so that when the action is ready to move on or an encounter starts or even a conversation with an NPC or entering entering a, a closed space to have a negotiation, you just, just click that button. And that's I, I am a gamer and I'm a dungeon master and I am very, very aware of the general level of overload that a dungeon master operates on mm. trying to take into account, um, you know, all the stats and having the papers ready and trying to keep it smooth. And uh, for me, not referencing movies all the time and <laughs> anachronistic <laughs> things or making jokes. And, you know, also keeping uh, your attention on what different players want and who's engaged and who who needs a bit more attention, all that sort of stuff. So if we can take that prep away when you're running those published adventures, that's super, super cool. I remember, I think the first one you did was for Waterdeep, right? Dragon Heist? Mm -hmm. Yes, I think so. Yes, and, we have certainly done that adventure. I don't even. I think it must have been. A, <laughs> I think yes, it was. I think right. it was. It was. I'm it was the yes. first. Yeah, yeah. yeah, good. Yes. Um, and I was running that for my home game, and we, they went into a shop that was kind of mentioned in one of the early chapters, but didn't have a very long uh, description mm, in the book. Mm, and I was like, "There's mm. no way 
that mm-hmm. uh, Ben and his team put together something for this. And I just happened to find, I think it was the o- Oblong shop or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was like all purple. Weird, yeah, that's right. And I was like, oh my gosh, there actually is a soundscape for, and my my players, for whatever reason, spent you know two and a half mm-hmm. hours in that one shop. Uh, but yeah. I had like something that I could go with, yeah. and it was a wonderful way to, again, make it make the entire thing feel cinematic, uh, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't necessarily, each moment of it was cinematic, it mm-hmm. just it felt... Mm-hmm. Like it had mm. that, that completeness to it. That's right. I also find some of the big monsters uh, mm. can, if you're not careful in a, in a Dungeons & Dragons game, become a stat against stat, especially ones that are strength-based, you know, physical attacks. You can basically, you can just maths it out, kind of, you know, attack roll, hit points, attack roll, hit points, attack roll, hit points. But when you're hearing those massive guttural roars <laughs> sort of every now and then, what I like to do when I'm running a monster is we, we always have like a, a general battle sound set where there's epic uh, cinematic move, music and the monster roars and some clashes of weapons and usually some people going, ah. And that all runs. And then maybe after the battle's gone for a little while, I go to a setting called More Music, which most of our monsters have, where it turns down most of the sound design and the monster roars, turns up the music. So we've just got that movie soundtrack and sometimes it's a different music music track as well to keep the ear fresh. But then when it comes to the monster's turn, we have one-shot buttons, they're called, and you just trigger it and the monster makes some epically massive, sudden, loud roar. Mm. And, you know, when you're rolling a die and there's this... Once again, we go back to subliminal things. There's that involuntary human reaction to a large larynx creature with obviously quite sharp teeth. It's like there's no way, literally, not to have a have a basic, you know, reaction of fear, <laughs> fight or flight, to that, and that just keeps the immersion going so well. And as I said, some of my players at my own table who, you know. The phone is calling to them. There's something they must check. You know, when, when they're kept emotionally on the spot, the drive to do that or to, to let their mind wander when it's not their turn um, is so much reduced. And I really, really appreciate that a lot. Thank you, music. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <clears throat> so you've got uh, the first two chapters from The Wild Beyond the Witchlight are yes. available now. Yes. Uh, and more are coming soon. I, mm. it's, it's, I am curious... How like what the process is? You get the adventure. Mm. You and your team go through it, and mm. are you just like, oh yeah, yeah, definitely gonna make that sound. Oh yeah, mm. okay, the sound of the Mary the carousel at the Witchlight mm. Carnival, or the sound mm. of cotton candy being spun, or like, do you do mm. you go through and make a list of <clears throat> yeah. things that you want to make sounds for, and then present that to the team? Yeah, that's right. So we we I mean, Witchlight has just been an incredible adventure. It's it's yet again groundbreaking from Dungeons and Dragons. You know, an adventure which theoretically you can get through with that actual combat, which is just so incredibly rich and colorful, and so much sound described. In fact, in the module as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you virtually taste that module. It's just incredible. And it's been a joy to work on it. It really has. So, yeah, we, we get the book and we basically read through and we just imagine playing the game. And uh, we write an outline of the, the locations we're going to hit. It used to be when we first started out Sirenscape that we'd pick just kind of the, like the five most important monsters or something like that because creating a whole entire monster is quite a big job. You know, you, want, you need to have to come up with a unique uh, vocal performance or a unique, unique sound source, like a unique monster that you've never used before and then a way of processing that. You have to make sure you hit all their special attacks and things like that. But now we've actually been, <laughs> the library's so big, we tend to be able to support almost all the monsters in a module because we pull them from other places. So if we've had an encounter with goblins, we've got the goblin voices down. 
Uh, and, you know, we pull those into the Witchlight from Dragon Heist or something like that. And, you know, we're hitting each of those dragons. So we really now building a module like Witchlight, it's, it's picking those most important characters that should be unique and specially flavoured for that adventure. And then, yeah, uh, doing an outline, imagining basically that interface. So you've got, you know, this scene, this scene, this scene inside the tent, you know, the, the portal through, arrival in the thither, uh, this count, this encounter, encountering those weird little rabbit things, and they sing their mm-hmm. song. <clears throat> and we're like, "Oh, we have to write that song. That's so cool." Uh, the the spo- slight spoilers: there's a snail race in it, which is just amazing. Um, and then, yeah, we 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 get we get composing and get sound designing. And sp- for every module in the Dungeons and Dragons uh, set, you know, we've got Mad Mage and uh, Dragon Heist and um, uh, the bo- it's descended to Avernus. We try and come up with a, a unique musical sound world so that it's got its own flavor so that when you hear that music you know specifically in that place so descending to avernus we went kind of with a metal kind of rock kind of feel which was super cool uh which like we've gone with yeah fantastical alice in wonderland um sort of circus tent uh calliopes and and brass instruments and and beautiful welling strings which has been great dragon heist we went with kind of like a uh electro symphonic rock score like mm. um you know in, in um, there's an arthur movie that, that inspired me for that so lots of taiko drums and electric guitars and things like that and then um uh ghost of salt marsh we went with more typical classical sort of fantasy film music like lord of the rings um so we really got got that flavor down pat so that people know where they are and that's the set set and the feel of that adventure i love it Should so we- when you're Oh, oh, I was just going to say, Billy, I mean, because you have this huge library. There's so many things. I definitely want to play some uh, for folks. Mm. But, That's where uh, I was going to. Yeah, no. <laughs> but um, the thing I want to just mention is just like, certainly these are good for the uh, printed adventures that you're talking about. But mm. can you talk to any experience about using this for homebrew type settings? Like using yeah. some of these soundscapes, you know, even though you might not be in hell, uh, it, yes. you know, but you can still use some of these metal, you know, uh, tracks from Descent and Avernus or the other things. Absolutely. Yes. Because they and have you, these emotional things. And you yeah. can have a snail race in hell. There's no <laughs> reason that can't happen. <laughs> that sounds like an adage. Like, I don't take a snail race in hell to get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, so the classic prep for a, for a homebrew Say goes something like this: We're gonna we we know we're going to be in a medieval town, and we know that there's going to be a green dragon that attacks. So we have there's I, I, I sort of type in city, and I find a sound set that's called Red Dragon City Raid. I go, oh, that's cool. So I trigger that and have a listen to that, and it's the sound of a red dragon attacking. And there's people screaming and buildings collapsing and and breath weapons. And you think that's cool? Okay, so I turn off all the red dragon attack sounds. I search for green dragon and I find there's a green dragon in Sirenscape. So I turn on the green dragon roars. I have my uh, acid breath weapon one shot ready. I think that's cool. So I'm listening to that. It's good. Okay, what do we need now? We need a thunderstorm at the same time. So we go to the storm sunset, turn on some rain and some thunder strikes. And now we've got people panicking and screaming. We've got the green dragon roars. We've got uh, a thunderstorm going at the same time. I think that's cool. And then you save that as a preset. And so then that becomes one single button to click. So then I go back to my town. Say there's a just a normal medieval town, Brindletown is one of the free sound sets in Sirenscape. And I just start that. I think, oh, well, it's going to be raining when the dragon attacks. I should turn on some rain now. So you add a little bit of pre, a little uh, bit of light rain. You just save that as a preset. And I now have my two presets ready for the for the encounter. I turn on my medieval town with some light rain. And the players spend an hour and a half in the town and we never get to the encounter. And then the next week, (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you, players. Uh, I, I turned turn on again. I, I like, you know, I, I just mentioned casually at the beginning of the game session, if you don't get out of this town, you know, if you don't get onto the next thing, I'm going to murder all your characters. And they're like, okay, sorry, I'll stop, stop, uh, stop just stop honing my armor. For, That's yeah. why I stopped shopping. That's right. And they finally, you know, leave the shop and then you just click that one click and suddenly you've got people screaming, the thunder all turns on, the rain starts turning, uh, the dr- green dragon roars, and then that breath weapon. <laughs> I get ready with that and I just click that one shot when I actually say the dragon turns and opens its more. And you don't even have to say more. You just trigger that one shot and for the next sort of six seconds there's this incredible dragon roar and the sound of spraying gases and bubbling while I roll all my D6s and the players weep. <laughs> and... Um, and and then uh, and then I just say the damage. So yeah, that's a that's a typical prep process because there's so much in there. You, you can type in Amber Hulk or Owlbear or Slard or you know whatever you like, whatever monster you like. You could type in uh, Dripping Dungeon, um, uh, you know Medieval Town, Snowy Pass, you know Mountain, just just whatever you need is is almost certainly going to be in there. That search it, function makes it yeah. so much mm-hmm. easier for yeah. for all that kind of prep. I mean, that's a little bit how. Yeah. You know, in this digital age when we we're playing over or online, uh, that type of stuff, I mean, that's how I run my games using D&D Beyond. I'll just be like, oh yeah, what's that spell? Yeah. Oh, I don't look it up absolutely. in a book anymore because you're in yes. front of your screen and you can just do that. And you're basically doing yeah. that but for these soundscapes uh, when that's you're doing right. some prep. And the way you just described it, I mean, that's what, three minutes of work? Five yeah, minutes of work? that's right. Yes, you know, absolutely. It's really not that much. Yeah. yeah, and once you've yeah. done it, you've done it. Like you have it. It's not yeah. like yeah. you have that's to keep, right. keep doing it. And, and while you're running, if you suddenly... If, if for some reason goblins attack at the same time, all that's running, you just type in goblin into the search engine and then just find a few of the goblin cries and explosions and you turn those on as well. And then you've got sort of added chaos, which is always better. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's, and you know, I remember when, when you came to our office and you let some of us mm. create sounds and voices mm. and whatnot, but then you like totally manipulate yeah. things. Like it's never just like, yeah. oh, 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 crying yeah. woman. Like then you you yeah. take it and you're like, like that's me. Yeah, that's right. But you do some crazy stuff, like back and like what's how? How do you even? I do a lot. I do a lot of experimenting and a lot of watching YouTube videos about how famous people have done sound design or foley and things like that. Absolutely. And when you're doing a new monster or a creature or a demon, it's all about yeah finding that. It always has to be a fantastic performance, and my gosh, we got fantastic performances at uh, when, when I was visited the offices. We're yeah. all theater majors. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I want to be. Out. It's a fantastic YouTube video of um, um, Chris Perkins doing the Zenithar voice. If you just go yes. to YouTube and search for Sirenscape, oh cool, uh, Chris Perkins Zenithar, you'll probably find it, and you can see you actually hear his vocal performance, and then in the video, I actually apply the 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 actual effects that we ended up using, which is oh, super cool. cool. Um, and yes, so yeah, so it, it depends on a really strong vocal performance or, as I said before, um, a, a really unique animal sound perhaps. Um, I used Tasmanian devils the other day, which is horrible, gorgeous, but horrible. Uh, they just sound so awful. They sound like an angry, angry cat dog thing. And, and, then it's, and then it's all a matter of finding a unique vocal, uh, vocal processing sort of technique. So if you're doing a strong female demon like at the end of Descendant of Vernus, uh, you might do kind of pitch layering, which people probably have heard in movies where you have like a deep version of the woman's voice underneath and then the original voice. And then you use, yeah, there's, then there's all these other vocal things you can use, um, formant shifting, uh, flanging, phasing, all sorts of things. And that's 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 what we do every day, which is super cool. <laughs> yeah. 
That's, I mean, is, I'm just wondering what it's like to be Ben Looms in the world and like just walking around like at Trader Joe's and hearing like the rustling yeah. of yes. like someone picking up a bag of cheese puffs and you're like, oh, yeah, that sound play yeah. it again. Like, and yeah. just what is that trigger in your mind? Like, that's yeah. actually whatever in yeah. hither somewhere. Totally. I was in in, in the um, opera Australia. Uh, sorry, the Australian Opera House. You know the one with the shell shell shaped things on the mm-hmm. Sydney Harbour. And they had a door to the green room and there was a pressure difference between outside the door and inside the door. And as I I just went through the door, there was like an amazing sucking noise. Just as the door came open, it kind of went. (laughs) And like, it was really cool. So there's me like in the opera house with my phone because that's all I had on me, which amazing uh, mics nowadays, just slightly opening and closing this door. (laughs) Oh, my. People are walking walking past going, okay. What's he doing? Um, You got to be careful. Can I get through there, buddy? He's like, no, this is going to be a mind flare. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or I'm I'm there like swinging my hills hoist. It's Australian where you dry your clothes. It's like a little stand thing with a post and it's metal. And yeah, ours at the moment makes this incredible, horrible noise when you put it up kind of thing yeah so i'm out there in the garden sort of recording with you know incredibly <laughs> expensive recording equipment um this this hill toys being sort of assembled <laughs> and unassembled so yeah it's the same are uh, uh, so you getting me started um my son was fantastic value while his voice was um going like while he was going through puberty kind of like literally kind of once a month i was able to re- record this new voice you know record this new voice <laughs> record this new voice it's like <laughs> I'm sure he loved that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's in there a lot. Yeah. So you're yeah. Goblin number four, seventeen, and nineteen. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like you have a magical changing voice. It's so cool. <laughs> or me, first thing in the morning, like I've suddenly like I have a very high, beautiful, pretty tenor voice. Um, but like first thing in the morning, I actually feel like a real man, which I can't do now because <laughs> I've warmed up a little bit. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I love weird. that. Right, the fo- I love hearing all the stories too of, of uh, mm. foley artists coming up with like yeah. you don't you don't think that's what the sound is like yeah. oh, cabbage yeah. breaking for uh-huh. you know for for breaking bones. oh yeah breaking bones and things like that oh yeah that's yeah, true absolutely. Like, my son likes to watch these YouTube videos of like guess what the sound is mm. Mm. and you can <laughs> you just hear like something really strange and then they yeah. show you a picture of what the thing is that's actually making the noise. Yeah. Now you can yeah. do that with Sirenscape where you just play a, a cue mm-hmm. and they're like, what do you think that was? It mm-hmm. was actually Ben mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. opening the door of the opera That's house right. in Sydney, Australia. <laughs> Who knew? You can hear in the background people shaking their heads. I know. Now I wonder if there's <laughs> a way. Can you use, like, can you, like, as the dungeon master, and I know the answer is, of course, you can mm-hmm. do whatever you want, but mm-hmm. um, to even kind of surprise yourself and just, like, mm-hmm. Well, I don't know what's behind the door. Randomly, mm. just like press a button, pick a sound, and then yeah. the number Hulk. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, mm. yeah. Guess you this could, is you, what you we're could, doing. You could absolutely do that. I mean, all the sound sets are in a list, and you could just like literally scroll with your eyes closed and click. And um, that that's a, like a super we're idea. We're all surprised. It's like, oh my god, it's a Tarask. It's like, oh well, Has <laughs> <laughs> anyone got a rubber for my character sheet? That's Sorry, right. le- level two party. Uh, here's a Tarask. It could be like a baby Tarask. That's could right, exactly. One. Or a Tarask with like a broken few limbs. Or going right. through puberty. It just, it just <laughs> needs you to take the take the um the thorn out of its toe, and now you've yeah. got like. Oh, a minion helper who loves you and cares for you and can crush entire cities. <laughs> and the eat best. planets. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, man. I love so, it. What have you been doing these last two years, other than doing all this, you know, recording and, and creating of amazing sounds? Have you been playing a lot of D and D over over the interwaves? Yeah, we have actually played more Dungeons and Dragons than mm. ever before. So our gaming group, you know, we all know. Hello, out there, I share your pain the the pain of getting everyone into a into a one place to play games. So my my friends gaming group. Um, used to meet kind of the idea was we were meant to meet every two weeks but we kind of you know often you just miss one and then suddenly it's a month and yeah but we've been pretty much playing every single week which is great mm. i play a dungeons and dragons game with my team my sirenscape team because we're like literally spread out all over the world the guy who's doing the bulk of the sound designing for um which light is actually lives like in the champagne region in france next to a vineyard which is hilarious. wow i'd be quarantined there that's yeah i know that's right <laughs> So uh, he, he he does that. So um, yeah, we've been playing online. We've we've uh, uh, we're playing through uh, Red Hand of Doom, which is like a three point five adventure converted up to fifth edition, which is just fantastic. Um, yeah, using D and D Beyond, there's a great community of people who make custom content, and on most of those they're, they're really complicated. If anyone knows uh, Red Hand of Doom, there's lots and lots of monsters with class levels, which makes mm. it really really hard to run in three point five. But converted into five, they're awesome because that I love that thing in fifth edition. How all the um, all the sort of special events that they're going to do or their special abilities are just written out with the rules right on the sheet, which is super super cool. So um, yeah, I've been playing that and yeah, having lots and lots of fun. Going down to my uh, farm in Kangaroo Valley, which is sort of oh. south of Sydney where I live, and and planting trees and loving the environment and staying away from people and things. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. But getting close so to the kangaroos. Yes, yeah. kangaroos and wombats and, and cheeky birds and things. Do you see the you know, uh, D6-shaped poop uh, everywhere? Yes, yes, yes. Believe it or not, uh, Greg's <laughs> absolutely right. Wombats make cubic poos. What? And they only yeah. ever poo on top of things. They never just poo on the ground. So if you have like a, a, a seat, like it can even be like normal seat height. This one, a wombat's like the size of a, of a medium-sized dog, I suppose. It's like a just big compact blob, very cute. And yeah, they will always poo up on top of something. So, you know, any new thing, they'll come and poo there in, in the middle of the night. <laughs> and you can put up fences. So we have a fence around a house down there, um, just around a, a, the house section. And they just go under wherever they like. Like there's no stopping a wombat at all, ever. Um, and we start bulldoze their way through and then poop on like the new patio or the new chair or the new <laughs> new water they're proud of their yeah. cubic poos that yeah, they just yeah. want to like show you. um first of all greg love that you know that bit of trivia <laughs> and also that you call the d6 shaped poo yes obviously knows. this is a dnd podcast <laughs> that's right um, i figured if we were going to do poop talk at least you've got to bring it back to dnd somehow i mean this is but, a potty award-winning uh, podcast <laughs> And for good reason, but uh, also, but, um, ow, what, how? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. I don't know. The science, science doesn't really know. It's it's something about, I suppose, their bowel, which we're now talking about. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're, we I wanted to say this is the most Feywild type creature ever, right? Like yeah. the fact that they would just leave little presents of their poo of in poo. weird shapes and like present everywhere. shaped. Yeah, yeah, it's present shaped. Tied <laughs> 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 up in a bow. Here. We have oh. we have every sort of Feywild animal in Australia. We have we have two different mammals which lay eggs. You know, like yeah, they're, Australia's they're, got they're mammals. They they breastfeed their baby, which is the definition of a mammal, and they lay eggs like a lizard or a duck or something. 
um, the echidna, obviously, which is kind of like a, a what's a spiny anteater people call them, mm-hmm. and um, the platypus, which has a duck's bill, swims in yeah, water, that, I is mean, furry, suckles its young after they hatch from eggs. I mean, isn't <laughs> there is really no better like D and D monster than a duck billed platypus? That's like, right. That, does know. that not just sound like something That's Gary right. Gygax made up? That's right. Absolutely, make it enormous <laughs> and. We'll give it a poison talent, which it literally does. A, a platypus has a poison spine on it. It's like, hooray! It's just a little bit yeah. of everything. It's That's like right. a kid just was like, I'm just going to make a dog with a mm. duck bill and poison. That's right. And it mm. poops squares. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. That? So, I don't yeah. know. And, and as I said, these animals, um, I'll have to tell you another sound source design. So, yes, I used the the um, Tasmanian devils the other day to do giant rat things, I think they were, and that was amazing because it makes this hideous screaming noise mm. uh, and it's really, really awful. The really funny sound uh, we did the other day was a cougar appeared in an adventure and, and um, we, we did. Shelly, were you in the adventure? I was going to say, wait, <laughs> was that a... Was it an older woman? <laughs> and we actually record. I actually got the source sound of an actual cougar, and um, the person reviewing the sounds like this sounds just terrible. Can can you redo? Like that's the worst acting I've ever ever heard because a cougar actually sounds like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> So we had we actually end up replacing the sound of the cougar with a tiger because because like you said in movies the sound of a punch doesn't sound anything like a punch like you know the right. sound of a punch in a movie sounds like this massive big sort of vegetable crushing whereas the sound of punch in real life is just, yeah and so yeah. You, you've you've got to hit those psychological you know points to be effective with sound design sometimes so yeah Aww, <laughs> the, the funny thing is that impression did sound like Jennifer Coolidge uh, which. <laughs> And White Lotus works in yeah. both on both levels. Here. I always right. thought cougar sounded like the sound of like ice cubes in a glass of Chardonnay. Yes, like that's absolutely. to me is very cougar oh. sound. And then saying, "Oh, oh, oh, aren't you cute? Go fill up my glass, would you?" Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just just imagining Dan, my my wonderful wonderful marketing guy, um, and looking at his list of things we were supposed to discuss, and here's me spending time talking about poop, square and poop, right. and cougars. Right. I think and we've hit everything cougars. though. We've, Sorry, we've Dan. About, we have, yeah. We, everyone knows well, that there's there's Witchlight and there's lots of other adventures. And well, I yeah. want to ask a little bit more about Witchlight because I yeah. have I haven't heard those those sounds yet. Um, would you like to? I, well, yes, I would like to. Excellent. Let's, oh, wait. Show you have it all queued up. I do. I do. Right. And I'm very excited. The first one we're going to listen to is Snail Race. Yeah. Uh, as you all know, Shelly Moo is the snail you should all be rooting for, the pink snail. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to let's play the sounds of a snail race. Snail racers to your marks. Are you ready? Are you steady? Well, then go. Yeah. The whole idea is, yeah, it references Chariots of Fire. I love it. Well, then, go! I like it. <laughs> Come on, Shelly Moo! Oh, here we go. Snails are running in my ears. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, it will go it really as long does. as it needs to. Good music. I really That's like the whole point. I really like it. As long as the race needs to go, it'll go just be rolling and rolling and rolling. 
All right. That's so cool. And for those of you who may not, or listening, who may not know which Chariots of Fire is, <laughs> because I realize our references. Oh like, my gosh! From yeah. the '80s, right? Like there was a movie about people running. I don't think I've ever even actually seen this movie, but I know the reference to Everybody knows that, that soundtrack. Yeah. And uh, it's it's the perfect reference point for these snails. Because uh, it's, it's a in slow motion, right? He doesn't want to run on a Sunday, I think is the point of the film. <laughs> maybe tired or something. Or maybe there's like a, someone who's banned running in the town and he's got to fight against it. Oh, oh, no, like, like, like Footloose, but with running. <laughs> Footloose, but for, <laughs> Right. Another reference people probably aren't getting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so hip. Hip to be square. Hip to be square. Gen- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. So, yeah, that, hear... so that track will keep going and going and going and going as long as it needs to loop, no matter how long the encounter happens. There's cheers. You can trigger them manually or you can turn them off or whatever you like. And notice also, yeah, how the music is kind of backgroundy. It doesn't have like a big tune which is saying, hey, pay attention to me. It's just adding to the vibe in the room while you're playing or yeah. in everyone's headphones when you're playing online. That's kind of the point. And the announcer but, will, will start at the beginning, but mm, then won't be throughout, right? Mm, because that's the right. Of, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's so great. All right. Yeah. Are you ready for another one? I want to hear another one. Okay, the, the next one we're going to hear is Arrival in Hither. Awesome. And of course, you're just narrating over the top of this sound. And then that gradually fades out. And you've got the sound of the delightful hither swamp. That's so neat. And once again, this sound design. So each of the elements of this sound design, as I mentioned ages ago, is, is being dynamically triggered. So there's random frogs in random directions at random times. Occasional rarer events of peculiar monsters. And then you can hear a little bit of music started just in the background. Yeah. I love the idea of it starting with the portal. Yeah. Like that's what yeah. it sounds like when you're being mm-hmm. just transported to him. Yeah. And it really would augment as your dungeon master, right? You'd be saying like, okay, you're, you touch yeah. the mirror and you're going to go into this portal and you might even, I mean, I sometimes do weird sound effects like that with my voice. Yeah. That's what I get whooshing through. And you can still do that as a dungeon master, but then this just adds that that extra like mm-hmm. level of like okay now you're here you're somewhere else yeah, and you don't right. just have to say that you actually can feel it incredible yep. i feel like that swishy i just want to hear the swishy part again because i yeah. can, it's almost like you can feel like you, your hair moving yes like, and, and the danger of being uh splintered or whatever it's called in harry potter see that's the i mentioned a movie i'm not meant to do that but yes <laughs> my players hate it when i refer to specific scenes and specific movies like we want original descriptions this is our story not theirs that's right that's a good point. Good rule of thumb. Again. But at the same time, everybody's got those touchstones that you can just quickly I know, go to. I, I do that all the time. Have, I'm very visual, so I, I love to imagine that kind of thing. But yeah, this, this portal actually sounds like it's a real thing happening that's going to maybe yes. be dangerous, you know? Exactly. Like, I yeah. don't know if yeah. I ever, like, just to be able to tell your player, like, okay, then you're mm. going through a portal. Mm. Oh, you're here. Mm. Yeah, exactly. How much yeah, cooler yeah. is it to actually... Yeah feel like oh my god this is what it's like in a portal okay that's precisely what i mean and there's a whole ton of words a thousand words that everyone knows what all those sounds mean to their bodies and what it means to feeling nauseous and feeling disorientated and what it would look like in a movie and then what it would feel like to arrive and how you'd breathe in and all that you don't have to say any of that because you've just done it all with sound for sure right and Uh, then if you want to really level up 
after the sound, you add in uh, personal fans with water right. squirting out <laughs> oh, to each yes. of your things. So as you're going through the portal, you're like, oh my gosh, my hair Even actually is Greg, glowing. Just yeah. walking around the table. <laughs> squirting, squirting them all. <laughs> <The> squirt <fun. laughs> <laughs> what are you a doing, Siren Greg? smell. <laughs> that can squirt out poop And smell. coming right. soon. <laughs> smell vision I see we have another sound. That's actually from chapter three. Does that mean... Yes. Does that mean it's unapproved? Chapter three is... This is unapproved sound. This is officially unapproved. That's right. Wizards are we are wonderful. going there. Wizards listen to every sound we make and make sure it sounds right, make sure it's, it's good, it's smooth, and it's um, appropriate for what they imagined, which is super cool. So thank you for caring. This is flying rocking horse fight. Yeah. This is typical of one of the combats um, in this adventure. The whole adventure has this kind of quirky, lighthearted, colorful, beautiful feel to it. It's very yeah, cinematic. So yeah, so the horse hooves. Oh, a little creak there. And then this music is specifically designed to evolve slowly over a long time. You know, it doesn't just give up all its kind of content at once. Sometimes it's a bit more foregroundy, sometimes it's a bit more backgroundy. But it's always going to keep going until you hit the next mood to stop the battle. It's not going to run out and expire and play an ad for, uh, you know, for a loan product. It's just going to, you're going to have control. And that, that one click is playing this sound until you want the next click. Right. It just, it's a it dynamic, does. yeah, right. So that fight's yeah. going to go on for you know ten yeah. minutes, fifteen minutes, yeah. depending on how fast your your yeah. players exactly. resolve it. But there's all these weird dynamic things that happen, so you're feeling That's these right. emotions as it's going on. God, yeah, That's right. right. And and you know you don't need to interact with Sirenscape at all while this is running, unless you want a sad trombone sound because a player <laughs> hits rolls a one, or you want to trigger a victory sound, or in fact trigger the spells that the players cast. So if a player casts fireball, I literally just type fireball into search and, you know, in about half a second, it's there and I just trigger it. And by the time they're reaching for their dice, um, that happens. Or if one of the players uh, does a cure spell, you just type uh, heal wounds or whatever and, and the sound appears ready for you. And players can even trigger their own sounds if you give them the links. So at the beginning of a campaign, I, I hand off the, the links of the various spells that my players might want to trigger in the game. So if someone casts message, they just they just double click on that link on their own computer and that sends through a signal to the server to send out that message sound to everyone in the game, which is super cool. Oh, that is amazing. That's very cool. I haven't That's been a great idea. with that too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that having the players be be able mm. to to trigger their own sounds. Don't give them the Wilhelm scream sound, though, because they just never stop playing it ever. <laughs> or the sad trombone. <laughs> the sad trombone, that's right, yeah. That, that, yeah. That's, that's Dungeon Master's uh, own yeah. possession. <laughs> yeah, when I played with my son, he played a wizard who cast spells out of his butt. Do you have a sound effect for We a have word? fart sounds. We absolutely have fart sounds. We... <laughs> editing the fart sounds was literally one of the no- most nauseous experiences I've ever had. Actually, we we because uh, they sound a, really a lot like farts, and yeah. um, when you edit the sound, you know, as a sound designer, you listen to it over and over again to just hone it so it's perfect and trim it, and normalize it, and trim compress it. Got to trim those farts. <laughs> You're like, what uh, bean casserole did I eat before I recorded this? 
That's right. Three yes. beans. Yeah. We'll go with uh, three beans. Yeah. And, 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 a, and a, a fart one shot is it's a good example actually to talk about. The fart one shot. <laughs> let me just check it. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> this really is a potty we award winning podcast. It, it is. It doesn't just have one fart sound. It has, I'm looking here, looks like about 30 fart sounds. So each time you hit that fart one shot, it could be a new surprising experience. Oh my god! Um, and the same with say, so say you're fun. interacting with a with a shopkeeper or whatever, and they say there's there's the yes button and the no button and the I don't know and and that's you know I won't give you a discount button. The yes will have like ten different yeses, so it's not like the same voice acting every single time. So the players say, "Oh, can you give us a discount?" No. <laughs> you, but you really want to give us a discount? You're, no, I don't. No. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> I can't help but voice act along with you, Ben. <laughs> yes. Hooray. Can we play? Can we play Aww. Greg's voice in Dragon Heist? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Hang on. Where? Yeah, because as we were saying, we we love capturing our. Are you ready? This is the coast stuff. Okay, ready? We're going to play it now. Okay. Go. Here you go. So this is the first thing you hear is the vault. There shouldn't be any spoilers in here. And then you hear Greg's wonderful voice. I wasn't acting, expecting he... anyone. As you can see, the place is a mess. Perhaps you should come back later. After I've tidied up a bit. And then he gets angry and turns into a dragon and eats everyone. Ready? If we must. Yeah, and there's the electro, electro um, rock music thing that I talked about for the Dragon Heist adventure. So yeah, there are NPCs you can interact with and I can have whole conversations with you. Uh, with no's and yeses and what's and maybes and I can do that and I can't do that and and now I'm going to destroy you, which is typical, like, including yeah. Sorry, go. I was just saying what I like about that is that it's it's very similar to the jumping off point that like an illustration or a map gives uh, dungeon masters around the mm. table, right? Where mm. you don't necessarily. You know, I mean, I'm even though you're, you're very kind, I'm not a voice actor. I'm not trained in any way, uh, so I can't do the. You know the vast character shifts that uh, many of uh, you know, like my like critical role and all that, mm. that they can do. Mm. But mm. if you play like one or two lines from some of the NPCs, it gets kind of lodged in your yes. players' minds, and then you can just yes. kind of, you know, you can try to imitate it or or go forward with your own normal voice. But people still have that sound, you know, of what the original character. Uh, or your, your interpretation of what that character sounded like. Uh, totally, and you're so very good yeah. at finding the box text or the quotes that are given in the printed adventures and mm. then just give, delivering those lines. So it's all, mm. it's all stuff that's there from the adventure itself. That's um, right, yeah. For me, remembering what the heck the accent I did was last time is a real challenge. <laughs> Always. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so if I have an NPC in Sirenscape that I can, yeah, just they greet each time, you know, they greet the players each time they come back, like that shopkeeper or whatever, in that cool shop in, in Dragon House that you mentioned, um, you, you get a greeting and that. And then, yeah, you can stick to that with your voice because you've heard it just a couple of seconds ago. And, yeah, even go back to your own voice or even narrate that character in the third person and then they say blah 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 and yeah. the characters have got that reference point for the voice acting and it's been so cool working with the with the wizards staff with your your guys and being able to come over and capture some of those characters especially from some of the people who created the actual adventure themselves and imagined that character in their in their mind which is so cool and wrote it down and that's one of the sad things about not having been able to come over you know for <laughs> for, for a little while so i'm really looking forward to coming back and it's yeah. a lot of the crowd baubles in in sirenscape are, are actual just bunches of like 
people we just grabbed from their desks and said, what am I, I doing? remember. Yeah. We so were tavern cool. people. Mm-hmm. We were, um, just murmuring about. Yep. Yeah. Crying woman number seven, I believe. That's right. Yep. Yes, I, your cry was particularly I, disturbing, Shelley. I do feel like I, I nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, it did. The Absolutely. wailing woman. I think it. I had a speaking part too. Yeah, I think there was. Yeah, I think. There I don't was, know if you used it, but I do definitely. think that I was speaking. Yeah, as oh, like absolutely. A very, maybe I was. I don't know. There were ship sort of ship people, like w- women crew members or something. I think we used. Yeah, and then there was oh, the, right, the, 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 the yeah. In in Dragon Heist, when the fireball goes off, there's there's speak with the dead, and you can there's actually box text there, and yeah, you can actually uh, trigger those sounds of the of the corpse speaking which is super duper cool which once again you know gives you a moment as a dungeon master for me it gives me a moment to check my notes and <laughs> check the next thing that's happening while the players get to listen Good to point. an actual yeah professional voice you know acted version of this kind of monster yeah and then that's- if they continue to speaking then you just do it as a dungeon master with that as a reference point which is super cool and that's a lot of the way that you can use to set up the next soundscape right like when your players are yeah. talking you know right you can use yeah. that downtime I mean, obviously you're still listening to what they're saying yeah. and responding mm-hmm. if you need to but mm-hmm. you can use that kind of a little bit of downtime for you the dungeon master to be like okay they're going to go to this thing next or yep. here let me just play this funny cue and then like kind yeah. of move the story yeah. forward yeah that's right yeah, so cool. unlike those uh, shopkeepers that said, no, you can't have a discount, <laughs> you, Sirenscape, are willing to yes. offer a special deal for Dragon Talk yeah. listeners. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you so can nice. um, obviously try Sirenscape for free without even registering at all. If you just go to sirenscape.com, you can use the Fantasy Player, which is like kind of an offline version of the app. Uh, and you don't even, have to have to, uh, don't even have to put in an email address or anything. And you can play 10 fantasy soundscapes in there, like a medieval town, that Red Dragon City Raid I mentioned before, the storm and a squeaky forest. But if you want to unlock everything completely, we have a Super Siren subscription, which unlocks, yeah, like a thousand different things and, you know, tens and tens of thousands of samples and all the adventures um, kind of in a Netflix kind of way. Now, there's normally a 30-day free trial, so you can sign up for that and not pay anything for 30 days. And if you cancel, you don't pay a dime. But for our Dragon Talk um, wonderful, gorgeous audience, yeah, if you go to sirenscape.com slash Dragon Talk, all lowercase, there's that same trial, but for two months instead of just one. Uh, so you can give Sirenscape a complete tryout as a full subscriber with all the ability to run remote games with your friends over um, Zoom. All your friends just run a little applet on their local machine. So they get sound in pure quality on their local machine, not going down the Zoom pipe and getting garbled or mixed, you know, mixed together. And uh, yeah, full opt into the search beta. We've got a brand new search um, engine, which has made finding sounds even easier, which you guys mightn't even know about and have experience. So I'll make sure I switch it on for you guys too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you can be a full subscriber for two months for free. That is, is very uh, generous. Thank hmm. you. Oh, I've got to get Love the sounds it. going. That's the main thing, really. I want people to be having the most immersed experience uh, they possibly can in the Dungeons and Dragons game because that's the way of connecting as humans and coming up with really really cool memories. Yeah. Especially when you use the both the sad trombone and the Wilhelm scream at the same time as <laughs> as the PC <laughs> plunges off the cliff. <laughs> While you're being sucked Very into the portal. Very immersive. Yay! Yay! <laughs> uh, I, that is amazing. I can't say enough fun things about this. I think combined with the immersive props that. Um, Beetle and Grimm's puts out together mm. with WizKids minis yep. with all these yep. things like you really can 
make something really special for yeah. your, uh, you know, for your players. Next yep. up, you know, we talked about smell-o-vision, I think, you know, yes. the last time you were on. Um, but now I want to do, like, lighting, too. Like, yes, I wonder how you can lighting do that. control, yeah. absolutely. It's one of the With, things on our list. And, and Sirenscape's ideally set up for that. The way the online player works is it sends a, a, a trigger to our server to distribute the sounds out to our players, little applets. And so mm-hmm. that's actually kind of ideally set up to also trigger, send out triggers to animate your lights. So to turn wow. them kind of greenish when you're in a dungeon, or or kind of have flashes of light each time you get a big uh, right. a, a big thunderclap or something like that. So yeah, it's definitely on my list of things I want to get to uh, with Sirenscape. So stay tuned for that sometime in the future. Definitely not in the next couple of months. My, there's now smoke coming out of my dev team's ears. And <laughs> <laughs> like, don't tell them everything that's on. That's right. right. Ben oh, that's wants so Ben wants all the things now. Yeah. I want all the shiny things along with fog machines. Yes, uh, you know all yes. the all the, the Greg special. Mr. and fan. Mr. Yes, fan. That's right, that's right. Mr. Fan. I just, I'll, I'll, I'll jump one of the dev team and make sure they can do it by this afternoon. And they're like, <laughs> just by, by Greg's next game. That's right. Yeah, yeah by right. Greg's next game. I know, give, give them a bit of leeway. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Like four days. <laughs> and uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that, like, your work on all of the live shows that we've done back mm. when we were able to do stuff in person. Mm. Uh, was amazing. I think it really added to that cinematic feel, the heightened amount of table. Yeah. When you have people like, you know, Deborah Ann Wall and Kate yeah. Welch and, and all these folks doing these amazing bigger than life yeah. characters. Yeah. And then you have the sounds supporting yeah. them, uh, yeah. making them feel like they're in where they are. And then I remember the 2019 uh, Descent to Avernus event where we had that lightning effect guy who was there. He had yeah. a very similar kind of touchpad yeah. setup That's right. to do the lightning effects and things like that. So we all know it's it's there. It's all possible. Yeah. We were sitting we were sitting next to each other having a lot of fun, that lighting guy and me. It was really great. And those those live events are something I'm looking forward to in a huge way as well. Me too. Uh, yeah. Really, really good. I just did a, a just DJed an amazing game with the Lost Odyssey guys again. Yeah. Uh, which will be coming out soon, which, yeah, really great. And Deborah's just the most amazing dungeon master. And she's so incredibly descriptive. She just mentions sound all the time. So it's like really, really easy to DJ for her because she just played the sound that she said that she's imagining and her notes um, in advance, which were somewhat kept to by the players, the direction of the adventure. Um, yeah. were really, really useful just to do a little bit of prep ahead and then use the search engine to just just quickly type in, yeah, Wolfhelm or whatever because she's mentioned that. So lots yeah. of fun. Mm. Awesome. I love all that. Uh, we've got a little sneak peek of what's to come uh, from Sirenscape as well as from Dungeons & Dragons and I can't wait to... <clears throat> I actually didn't even realize that Sirenscape had Wild Beyond the Witchlight sounds in it. So yeah. I'm going to start using that. You might see the t- the map on the table behind me um i'm gonna start using that when i'm running that session with uh, with my daughter yeah yeah it's a great adventure so so good and and so storytelling focused and character focused and uh a really amazing immersive experience if you get it right so yeah super cool well done to get sucked into that portal Mm-hmm. Yeah, now we know what it sounds like when you do <laughs> and we know what comes out oh, never mind i was gonna make right. a poop joke <laughs> call back call back to the square poop it comes out like mine come out like a D8. I don't know what's going on. Should have had a D8. Oh, <laughs> Another <laughs> reference people won't get. <laughs> burnt in my well, memory now. I am so glad we ended this interview on uh, a, a callbacks. It's like we're professionals here, guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. Closing the circle. Thanks, Ben. All, well, all of this fun stuff, how can people find out about you know the Sirenscape player, hmm. but also you and all the, the, the games hmm. that you're doing? 
Yeah, so sirenscape.com, just misspell sirenscape in, in Google, however you like, but it is S-Y-R-I-N-scape, and there's probably links in, in the podcast notes and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, as I said, you can download and try it for free if you like. Um, you know, without even registering, you can um, come and see us at a convention, which might be a thing at some time in the future, hopefully next year. And uh, yeah, jump on the forums. There's a wonderful community of Sirenscape people. So if you're wanting to find a sound for a particular, uh, you know, a particular type of monster or a particular situation, there's amazing people there who know the Sirenscape library backwards and forwards and upside down who can help you out. Jump on the forum and advocate for the features that you uh, want in the app. Sometimes they're features that are already there and you just haven't found them yet. And we can um, point you to those and get you ready. So yeah, don't hesitate to support at sirenscape.com, especially when you're just getting started. There's, you know, sound is a deep and complex thing and uh, using it the best way gets you the best results. So definitely ask for help. And then you get to try it out, right? With the Mm -hmm. sirenscape.com slash dragon talk. Yep. Two months for free. Can't go wrong there. Yeah, so absolutely. Nice. you got Very nothing generous. to lose. I love it. Yay. Well, thanks, All Ben. Right. It's been wonderful uh, catching back up with you. And I hope mm. in 2022 or, you know, even, you know, uh, uh, sooner we'll get to yeah. see each other. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thank you for All having right. me on. It's been super fun. Thanks, Thank ben. you. Yay. Yeah. So uh, did not know there was 30 different fart sounds in Sirens. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you know, and so. I think you and me and our families um, really should be recording our own. Uh, I mean, voice. There's a voiceover actor is a thing. Why not fart actor? Fart over actor. Because <laughs> um, Quinn could absolutely just basically fund my life by. Um, doing that so anyway that was amazing and also very cool offer again dragon talk listeners get two months for free um if you go to sirenscape.com slash dragon talk and we'll we'll drop that that link in the show notes as well so if you're driving right now don't feel like you have to like immediately go open that url do not don't pick up your phone don't pick up your phone yeah but we are excited here at Dragon Talk for the end of uh, 2021. It's been a great year. We've yes. loved uh, serving up hot interview takes to you all <laughs> year long. Thank you to all of our listeners who have been with us for six years, 300 plus episodes. And all of the survey feedback that you gave back is going to be put to good use. We've got some great ideas for things that we will be uh, cooking up for the 2022 episodes of Dragon Talk. Uh, there's, mm-hmm. there's lots of great things on the horizon, and we can't wait to share them with you. If you want to get more folks involved in Dungeons & Dragons as well as being listeners of Dragon Talk, well, there's a couple ways that you can do that. Number one is leave a review on your system, your platform, however you listen to podcasts, that always helps let more people know about what is going on with Dragon Talk. I think we have a great platform for allowing more people to come into this game and join this community. So uh, share that as lovely and widely as you can. Um, But also, if you want to just find out more about D&D, go to DungeonsAndDragons.com. Follow us on social at Wizards underscore D&D or on Instagram uh, at that same address. And if you want to See what I'm doing, uh, which is a lot. I'm producing a short film. I have a Star Trek podcast called Reengage, uh, TNG. Uh, a lot of things happening. I am on Twitter at Greg Tito. That's where you can find all that stuff. Uh, and what about you, Shelly Moo? I am on Twitter and Instagram at Shelly Moo. 
And I think that in the, the next year, I'm going to have some more cool stuff. Ooh. And both of us are going to have something very cool in 2022. That's a true. book baby. A little tiny book baby that is currently in our bellies. <laughs> <laughs> that we will birth out into the publishing world very soon uh, in 2022. It's called, uh, can we tell the title? Is that possible? I don't know. I don't if it's know finalized. if it's going to stay the title, though. Yeah, we don't know, but it is, yeah. it is a title. And it is uh, great, and we can't wait to share all of the essays about some of the fun guests that we've had on Dragon Talk. Very lucky, very lucky to have those wonderful guests join us. And I want to give a shout out to two folks who have been making Dragon Talk as awesome as it is over all of these years. Ryan Marth, our sound engineer and producer, is incomparable and does wonderful stuff. So thank you to Ryan. And of course, Lisa Carr, who has been uh, helping us book guests, get them ready to go, and do wonderful work supporting Dragon Talk. Without the two of you, this would not be... Uh, we, we, didn't, we wouldn't have 300 episodes, that's for sure. We'd probably have like, you know, 12. We wouldn't have any guests. We wouldn't have any guests or no. sound, as it turns out. Yeah. So thanks to the both of you. Uh, you do great work, and we are very happy to work with you uh, in 2022 as we're looking forward here. This is, this is the end of it. This is the end of this year. 2021 is ending. What are Drunky Two-Shoes New Year's resolutions? Drink more <laughs> and find uh, a way to convince Daryl to just get out of Waterdeep and just return to Chultz and a nice, quiet life. Because that's what was with, happening in Chultz. With Chult, dinosaurs. Right? There, was, there was no death curse or anything happening there. I didn't see anything. Because <laughs> we ended that campaign. That's right. I like, everything was fine. It's all cool and chill. Uh, but Daryl and Drunky are in a melee underneath a grocery store, the Garrulous Grocer, in the city of Waterdeep, as you said, fighting off some doppelgangers. And there are some guards coming down who have been called to uh, hopefully end whatever altercation is happening in the basement of this place. Mm. Uh, they are, it is their turn. They're running down this ladder. Uh, as fast as you can, uh, and as soon as you see you, specifically Drunky, as soon as you see the face of this first guard that is down there, uh, he appears to be uh, human um, oh. in, in stature, but as you look closely at him, you're, um, you start to feel a tingle on your amulet that lets you know what the doppelganger's true form is. It's and a doppelganger. See, it is another doppelganger. God but damn it. The guard coming down behind him, he jumps down and he looks like a tiefling. No tingle on the amulet. No tingle on the amulet. Okay. And uh, the human, or what other, the others say as human, uh, guard says, what's going on down here? Put down your the, weapons. The tiefling or the doppelganger? The, the doppelganger. Don't you tell me what to do, doppelganger! What are you talking about? I'm talking about you. You know what I'm talking about. And I say to the tiefling guy, stop right where you are. He's not who you think he is. And uh, the tiefling says, what do you, what? Do you, what? No, He's a doppelganger. True. I've known this man my entire life. How you dare you? You don't know him. You don't know who he is. Stop right there. Put down your weapons. And he, the tiefling takes out his uh, longsword. I won't ask again. And the, doppel, the doppelgangers that you were fighting with, Mm -hmm. You see them uh, put down their weapons and they kind of, uh, you know, kind of make uh, submission poses. I don't really have any weapons because they're just 
Well, I mean, I guess I have my... Samson and uh, Daryl are looking at you. <sighs> okay. Put down your weapons, boys. I wink at them. <laughs> All right, roll me a deception check. Oh, shit. Uh, to see if your wink goes <laughs> unnoticed or not. A seven. <laughs> <laughs> Put uh, down your weapons. The tiefling says, uh, what's wrong with your face? All right, have a twitch. Have you not heard of tabaxi twitch? Rude. I, I honestly have not. Uh, well, but it, it, so very common. Samson and uh, Daryl will listen to you, though, and they put down their weapons. Um, but they're, they're looking to you for a direction. And we'll take it from there as we... We'll see how this scene plays out in the beginning of 2022. Can't wait. <laughs> Thank you all. We'll miss you and during our little short uh, respite, but we'll have a long rest, and everybody will be recharged and back up to full health in January. Right? Except That's for, how it works. Except for Drunky. She's uh, got some hit points going. She's going to be just fine. Right? <laughs> 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 <laughs>